0: you bang into people that just go, okay, like they know what they're doing. They have domain experience. I know what I'm doing in that. I think this trend is massive because I'm in the middle of it myself. And let's get out of each other's way and see how big it gets.
1: Welcome back, we took a little two day break on account of Memorial Day, but we're back with episode eight of the best money I ever spent presented by Rally, in a special never before attempted dueling episodes with my friends and one of the earliest investors on Rally, a legendary venture investor, and one of the biggest personalities in finance, Howard Lindsay. Howard's one of the founders and partners at Social Leverage, which is an early stage venture firm with hits like Robinhood and Customer and Manscaped, And a ton of other names that you recognize and they've been a huge part of our growth here at Rally. Howard also founded StockTwits and before that a media platform called Wallstrip which he sold to CBS. Before fintech media was even a thing he was doing it with video and audio and all the things that we see now with Wallstrip. He's also got one of the most well-formed opinions on both public and private markets that anyone I've ever spoken to and I'm lucky that he answers my calls and I get to sneak away with some of that insight. We tried to pack as much of that into this episode, which is more of a conversation than anything else. I owed him an episode of his podcast, Panic with Friends. He owed us an episode of ours. So we decided to share the questions and share the answers, and I think it worked out pretty well. As always, as a disclaimer, nothing on this episode should be considered financial advice. You shouldn't make any decision, financial, investment, trading, or otherwise, based on any of the information presented here. Without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with an investment advisor. And Howard's an investor in Rally through social leverage, so that disclaimer holds particularly true here. And with that, episode eight of The Best Money I Ever Spent, presented by Rally in a dueling podcast with Panic with Friends, presented by Howard Lindzen, with the guy CNBC should have on TV 24 7, Mr. Howard Lindzen, here on The Best Money I Ever Spent.
0: What do you see right now? Is it just a nose, a microphone, and a cap? That should be my logo.
1: What kind of... We're recording right now, so I'll be honest to everybody listening, that what I see right now <laughs> is I'm not sure if it's a 17-year-old or a 60-year-old. It's somewhere in between it. What it's you like see a, is
0: a mole, a nose, <laughs> a backwards hat, and an orange biking shirt. It's probably one of the the most disgusting scenes in podcasting history. What's up, Rob Petroso?
1: What's going on, man? What's going on? I'm, I'm happy to have, I'm glad that we got to do this little like collaborative episode today because you're one of the people that I think everybody at Rally recognizes like a personality around the platform. But at the same time, I feel like I'm getting the real you right now too. This is like a regular phone call we would typically have for everybody to listen to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just went biking, so I'm in a pretty good mood. I had five milligrams of Adderall for just to get the edge. And a cup of coffee. So if this goes on forty minutes, we'll have to break for a poop.
1: All right. So you're shot completely shot out of a cannon and everybody got the real <laughs> Howard right out of no. the seat in the first minute and a half.
0: <laughs> Ten milligrams shoots me out of a cannon. Five is a nice slight ooh. Something's going on.
1: Gotcha. So let me ask you this. When you and I'm I'm gonna jump into a question because that opens the door a little bit too. You're you're somebody who's made some legendary investment decisions. I don't say that I don't say that mildly. You are like you've been a mentor, just one of these guys around us who Really, always has a, a key and a keen eye for what's going on the next on the next sort of wave, what's around the next turn. Is our investment decisions for you today dictated by the mood that you're in, or is it still something that's like a data based decision for you? Are you thinking about it the same way you were five or ten years ago?
0: Hmm. I mean, that's a great question. Generally, I, I mean, we're a much different firm. In that we're older and we've seen the goal line, you know, we've danced in the end zone, we've we've dropped passes, you know. I like using sports analogies because it's like sports, um, except without the contact. You know, money's our contact, so we would smack our forehead and then go, oh. you know. I appreciate the the legendary thing. You know, I was watching. I got to answer the question eventually, but I was just watching. Netflix do a great idea by comedians who are, who are finally fighting back on woke culture with, uh, they just created their own award show called hall or the hall. And, um, you know, they're, they're recognizing people for like, well, they're dead, unfortunately, but there's a lot of great dead comics, but they're recognizing people for like their longtime body of work. And I think when you're going to invest, um, know there's bull markets and bear markets so i've been through a few so you want to be kind of recognized for getting things right for more than just one cycle Mm -hmm. so i think you know what we're proudest about at social leverage um and, and and what i'm happy about is that my curiosity you know that made me a founder also gave me the domain expertise you know to bet on things or to make investments early stage so what it comes down to is people, you know, the um, first time I met you know Mike Lazaro, we hit it off kind of as like a combustion Brett Wilson at Two mogul, uh, Andrew at Ticketfly, and uh, Bajou and Vlada Robin Hood and yoni at E-Toro. It was, and and um, I'm thinking of of Todd Davis at Lifelock and then when I met you and Chris and Max at Rally Road, for example, is always like a kismet. You know, you have to be turning over rocks, uh, all the time and be curious, but in the end you run, you bang into people that just go, okay. Like they know what they're doing. They have domain experience. I know what I'm doing in that. I think this trend is massive because I'm in the middle of it myself and let's get out of each other's way and see how big it gets. You bang into people that just go, okay like they know what they're doing. They have domain experience. I know what I'm doing in that. I think this trend is massive because I'm in the middle of it myself. And let's get out of each other's way and see how big it gets. The pandemic. So it's like, well, everybody's fighting about like what the pandemic's going to cause monetarily and financially, the market crashed and the country closed. And we had, we had a warning uh, because we saw the Chinese markets close, but we kind of we kind of disregarded it for 60 days. So, so coming out of that, when coming out of the crash, we all kind of checked our our, 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 heads and our shoulders and our hands and our feet and go like, fuck, we're not dead. Um, yeah. and then the government printed a shit pile of money and we were connected by Slack and zoom and, and, and Twitter and st- whatever we were connected by. So like almost business as usual. And so, um, you know, the the difference now over the last 20 years is just the valuations. There's more people doing it. There's more people that think they can do it. There's more mentorship than ever. So I think the price has got out of hand. So where we're different today, long answer, is that there's lots of great founders, but there's a lot more noise, and then there's it's a lot harder to do the price discovery because everybody thinks they can be a unicorn. So that was a long... Yeah, yeah. That was a long answer. Hopefully, I answered. Part nah, of the you, question. You,
1: you didn't. I, I started off with a, with like a very roundabout question, but I'll say this: during COVID and the beginning, you and I talked a lot about the state of the market and what we were doing at Rally and what the overall sort of temperature was like. You were you never you never once talked about it like it was this, this once in a generation black swan event. Like a lot of people were talking crazy at that point too, that it was the end of the world and that no markets were going to recover, and nobody saw that crazy turnaround happening. But you weren't. That was like this quiet time where a lot of people were kind of building in the background and some of those companies are coming out now. But now you're in that situation where like a lot of VCs are on Twitter and they're saying, you know, everything's got to tighten up right now and that it's not the same as it was. And the valuations are crazy. And to me, you and I have talked about this. There's this feeling of like a lot of the same people who were chasing those crazy clubhouse type deals during COVID and the $4 billion and $5 billion pre-revenue valuations, which were getting crazy. Those same people now are saying, whoa, founders, you got to slow down. You can't be, you can't be trying to grow your business. Is there a place to still focus on growth and focus on revenue? Or is it really like a tighten your belt type situation right now? And stop, stop the presses, stop spending money on your business.
0: Yeah, that's going to be the ultimate question, right? Is, is, is what every founder's difference. You know, I was talking to Koifin, which has an incredible product, but like, you know, do you have to grow? through this or do you have to survive like wall or with you like uh Otto, um, otis or whatever they call it got acquired they got acquired because they ran out of runway mm-hmm. in my opinion so so if you run out of runway so so part of this is going back to the playbook in two in in 1999 you know we were investors in a company called rent uh viva.com and they basically fired 160 people scott ingram uh, bought the domain name rent.com in 2001 and, and all the competitors in the like rental, uh, you know, uh, uh, marketplace went out of business. So when eBay bought them mm. for 400 million, it wasn't so much that they were first. It was that they survived the crash. And so the opportunity, so, so survival matters more than growth at certain periods and, and you know, being a startup isn't glamorous. So now those that survive come out stronger. You know, mm. at Structus, we've been through a few bear markets that so we've seen this. Um, we get, ex- I get excited for bear markets. Uh, as long as you go into the bear market in a better position than the last bear market, I mean, that's how, the, that's how business cycles work. You're not going to keep all your money at the top um, because you can't go to cash at the exact right time. Mm. So for companies, um, it's more about, Um, knowing what your industry, you know, who your competitors are in the industry, knowing a little bit about how they're thinking about things, but really understanding your own business and talking to your investors and saying, Hey, listen, if this is going to last 12 to 18 months, uh, let's make our cuts right now. Uh, history says, you know, Fred Wilson had a post like, you know, 12 to 18 more months. So, so based on people have been through this before, let's go with what the experts who have been through this before. Let's make our cuts now. Let's get through this and worry about growth when everybody else starts worrying about growth or when we see pure growth ahead of us. Now, we can't force growth in a bear market. So part of it is like, make the cuts early. Don't force things. But if you are growing, that's crazy. Like, you know, you got to grow and you got to have investors around the table that understand that. But since this is like back and forth, I want to now throw one back at you on Rally Rub um what year now are you guys into rally road how we're many in, years is uh,
1: we're like? like five and a half right now give or take
0: okay so so five and a half it's 2022 um the the world has has changed again hmm. you know i don't think when you started the company the crypto was something and you know you were going through the sec you were doing it a much different way what's the biggest change in 2022 regarding culture and what your audience wants what? What switched the most? Because the company started out as cars, and now you just did an Andy Warhol. Yeah. So tell me, like, what the culture and, and appetite for risk is out there, and what what people see and want.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a complex question that I was going to ask you. So it's actually a good way to segue into this conversation. We've always been lucky, I'll say this, to have people like you and, and Greg Bettinelli and uh, Greg Benelli and some of the smarter, what I consider like really smart conversational marketplace investors around us. And they've seen the cycles. You've seen so many of these cycles right now. A lot of stuff that we haven't before we started Rally. When we started, ICOs were like the craze. And as we were going through the first SEC cycle to get the first couple offerings approved of cars, you know, it wasn't that dissimilar to now where everyone was like, why don't you just do an ICO? You could raise $70 million of non-dilutive capital. And it was like, yeah, that makes a little bit of sense. But this is way unproven. And then we have to move the company to the Bahamas and never come back. And you can't bring money into U.S. banks. And there was a whole element around like having to do it with KYC and do it the right way and go through the process. Now, five, Mm -hmm. six years later, the big difference that we've seen happen is that people were talking about community that whole time. But now it's real. And I just talked about this last week. I was on a panel and they were asking like what was different. My generation, when we came up it was really like you looked at that meme of all the garages where IBM started, where Apple started. It was like you and a couple of buddies in a garage just tinkering with some stuff and it becomes a company. And then that right. started to develop and it was a situation where it was like, all right, now it's in a coffee shop. And that's literally where me and Chris sat down in a coffee shop on 35th Street and like sketched out what this would be in 2015. And that was how the businesses started. But now it's like you have an idea and you have like three or four people who believe in it. They're distributed all over the world. In 48 hours, you put the product out I could spin up a DAO and raise 10 million overnight from people who are, you know, tech empathetic and understand crypto and all of a sudden have a business out of the gate with a community that cares about it that's going to spend money on it. And it distributes so, so, so quickly. That's the major difference. So now when we think about other asset classes, we go into the time frame from something being a trend to being relevant, not just now, but in the future is so much tighter now. So when we think about going into like an NFT project or, you know, real estate or art or whatever it is. It's like if we find the right thing right now and the audience is ready for it, you got to pull that trigger immediately. You can't wait for someone to tell you like now's the right time because that doesn't exist anymore.
0: And so how did the Andy Warhol come to you? So
1: we were we wound up purchasing that. I believe we purchased that. I don't think it was at auction. I could be wrong. So don't don't quote me on this. But we always look at things where it's like if it's, again, relevant right now it's one of the bellwethers in the space which in this case Andy Warhol super recognizable but also was coming up on that auction a couple of weeks ago where that Marilyn the original the specific one that that our that our silkscreen was based on um, that's an addition of you know broke a record for for any US based artist selling any painting at any auction or any private sale so when you talk about like numbers 180 million 200 million dollar paintings from somebody who's recognized worldwide and it's around the same time we want to release this offering that kind of checked a bunch of boxes for us. So for us it's like a $170,000 painting, the one that we have the print that we have on rally. Even though you might recognize the artist, you see the headline somewhere, that's still a huge chunk of money for a regular person to come out of pocket for to get the best version, to get an edition version of it. So Warhol was going to make sense. Art was a space we wanted to go into. We weren't going to go for the top of the market and do, you know, a $100 million painting out of the gate, but also something that's relevant now, has an auction that's upcoming that's going to be relevant in the future. It was a no brainer for us to start there basically. And like, you know, Warhol, like you, if you ask anyone on the street, name, you know, name 10 artists, Warhol's going to be in every single one of them. I mean, I'm guessing right now, but Warhol is going to be in all of them. I mean, you'll talk Da Vinci and whatever else, like people will name the Ninja Turtles and then name Andy Warhol, basically, you know, or like maybe Basquiat. So that's always part of the decision-making process for us too, is make sure regular people recognize it, you know?
0: Yeah. And, 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 the car brands definitely, book authors definitely, certain types of watches definitely, Um, and you're right. Warhol, even though I guess I'm a fan. I mean, cont- I'm a fan of contemporary, so I'm a fan. I, I, you so, collect art so, though
1: too. Like you collect the things you like. Your house is full of things that you like, and when you make money on them, correct. it feels like a check mark. You know what I mean?
0: So what's the future look like? I mean, you guys are at the in Soho at the tip of culture. I mean, obviously, I'm a huge fan of you, Chris and Max and George. uh, you know, CEO. How many people are you today?
1: Uh, we're getting close to 50 now.
0: So you're getting close to 50. What does the world look like post this, you know, crypto bear market? We don't know if it's a winter or it's a bear market. Um, you know, DAOs that you, you briefly mentioned, let's, let's quickly go through it. It's like an LLC, but on the blockchain, you know, like you said, it's built in community and passion and money and commerce right in you're buying every, you're getting everything all in one. As soon as you launch, it's not like an invest you first, you got to get the investors, then you got to get the, the passionate users then you got to get the sellers and the, but you know, build the marketplace. This is like, if you can, if, if there is a is something that everybody likes and there's a community around it, you can get up and go with the Dow. So yeah. what does the world look like as we come through this? What's like the thing that matters most? Is it, is it brand and culture?
1: It's hard for me to say it's not. I mean, it, every again, it's the same thing we're talking about now. Everything is, the timelines are so much tighter. So like we've talked about 2008, 2009 at length, you and I over the course of the last, you know, three, four years, let's call it. And it yeah. sucked and it felt like the end of the world. But, you know, the idea of like, taking down Melvin Capital didn't exist in 2008, 2009. Like for a kid that didn't, that didn't even make, it wasn't even a thought process to open the Right. They were doing
0: Occupy Wall Street. The parents were doing Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, it was
1: protesting. I mean, it was like, and Wall Street wasn't even the problem. There were people behind Wall Street that were the problem, you know? But that's also, to me, what's going to happen now is that the invest in things you care about thing makes sense automatically out of the gate to like a 19 or a 20 year old, no question. And that could be anything, but they have the ability to sort of, Tell the value story on their own now too. So if there's a space that we're not thinking about, then and we have a 19 or a 20-year-old and groups of those people on rally who want us to go there, that's a the space that we go to because like the way I think is way different than the way Chris thinks, than Max thinks, than George thinks, or Fitz thinks, or anybody at Rally or Rachel thinks. So we're always trying to sort of I'm I'm not I'm a dinosaur at this point. If there's something that I love, there's a chance other people don't, but there's a good chance there's a niche that people care about it. We go into all of those because the future. To me, when you think about brand, as I get older, I've realized this, and I don't know if you agree with it, at a certain point, the things that we want to spend our money on and we want to invest in, it's only, it's two things. It's either trying to buy the fountain of youth or trying to like do good and feel good about the money that we're spending. So if you're doing those two things, it's a mix of nostalgia. It's about doing something that benefits a bigger part of the culture. It's about trying to make decisions for the future, not just for you, but for the people around you. All of that means if I'm walking down the street, and I see something that I feel like it's worth making an investment in, you should be able to make an investment in that. And there's probably a group that cares about it. And that's like, you know, easily connecting thousands or hundreds of thousands of people to make those investments. And it's not just the easy stuff like art and real estate. It's the stuff no one's thinking about. So that's the space that we want to be in basically.
0: But it could also be, yeah, I like that. I really like that. It could, and, and it is true. This, this bear market, and it is a bear market, but I can't tell how bad it is because I'm so narrow. And so, uh, you know, my group of people feels it more than, let's say the energy people are partying. Hmm. Um, you know, the commodity people are like thinking about growth. Um, the people with capital, uh, are, uh, are thinking about how to deploy it. It's the people that kind of, that got run over here is a, is, is a pretty big swath of people, but it was a lot of new money and it was a lot of money that no one will miss yeah. because they were only going to spend it on frivolous things so this will affect all of us in the sense that um you know appetite for risk shrinks a little bit what's different about this 2000 and 2009 is is the banks first of all and the and the in the um private equity people are are flush everybody's raised money um Goldman back in 2008 uh, had to be saved by Warren Buffett. This time they're licking their chops. Mm-hmm. Same with J.P. Morgan. You know they're they're just getting into crypto. <clears throat> they just uh, you know J.P. Jamie Dimon, who's been bad mouthing crypto, just said it's like for their high net worth people, crypto's uh, more important he, than he was about to disown his
1: children. And the, he was saying literally anyone on the trading desk who's trading crypto is getting thrown out of the building. That was not that long ago.
0: Yeah. You can never tell with these guys. I don't trust any of them, but you know, now they're in a position to say that it's more important than real estate. So this, this, this has a floor. Like this is going to be interesting. Much like COVID created the shortest bear market. I can't figure out this bear market because the banks are in the last bear market that like was super painful. Uh, the banks were in trouble this time. It's just dumb investors paying dumb prices and employees. Uh, you know, wh- fun employment or whatever you want to call it, like having three jobs <laughs> and not going to work. Um, that fluff is gone, right? So now, now, so I don't. It's going to be a completely different type of bear market. What I was going to say about, um, um, like uh, like like the like the painting that just the Warhol that just went on. Maybe it goes deeper, and it's like, well, let's go by the studio where Andy Warhol painted that and let's go you know let's go buy that or instead of the bat uh that babe ruth had why don't we just go buy his house so uh, that he was born yeah you're jumping you're you're in
1: our roadmap right now and i can't say exactly what it is yet but in the next few weeks the going deeper on the things that we realize people really care about and doing the ancillary pieces around it not just the art or the one piece is exactly where we're going but that, that right, like me. if Gary
0: V, like I'm, I'm not going to buy Gary V's art. But if he cuts off his ear, uh, and I'm not saying Gary V should cut off his, ear, and I'm not saying Gary, but let's get this in front of Gary. But Gary, if you cut off your ear, I may take a piece of that on Rally Road. You don't, you don't. I'm not going to buy your squirrel drawing,
1: dude. And that everybody's entitled to that opinion. And I, I realized <laughs> it in Minnesota, you
0: know, a couple weeks ago. It when was we, crazy, right? I could not have predicted that people dude, would show up for that.
1: So this is speaking to, to anyone listening. This is about VCON, which was obviously the, um, the the big event that Gary Vaynerchuk and his team put on out in Minnesota, based around the NFT that he did V Series One last year, and then Series Two came out. The ticket was an NFT. It was a. Pl- I've been to a lot of NFT conventions. I've been to a lot of like these type mm. of talks. This was when you say community. What they brought together were a bunch of people who they gave a shit and cared in a way that I have never seen. And this is not investment advice, but I've never seen a group that united just to meet other people in the space and literally be helpful as much as they possibly can. They all believe it. So for better or worse, when you bring these people together and NFTs or, or crypto or whatever it is, is the connecting tissue, it's not the same thing as like a convention in Miami where it's all about money. These outcomes were way different. No one was even really talking about NFTs. It was really about what the future looks like. Which it's hard for me to look at that and say, to your point where it's like, this time it'll be different. Everybody says that retail and these, what you would consider niche groups of retail have a voice now that I've never seen yeah. before. Do you think they matter in this moment in time where it really, it feels like it won't be like a 2008, 2009 because they buy the dips too. And like I said, like Melvin Capital unwound, like GameStop is still over hundred. AMC isn't at 60 anymore, but it's still got a healthy multiple. Like Reddit yep. one is that a one time event, or do you think that we see like that retail activism in the future is what props up a lot of stuff that probably would have gotten well. It'll of- evolve.
0: It'll evolve. Say got by. I was an investor in say got bought by Robinhood. Didn't really figure it out. Now there's a. I've gotten pitched ten other kind of say.com uh, going after um, you know some of the some of the last standing monopolies in 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 Wall Street. You know, Koyfin against Bloomberg. Even though you can't beat Bloomberg. There's actually ways to get 80% of what Bloomberg got does a better product, for free. Coifin like has a better looking yeah.
1: and better feeling product for a retail investor. No question.
0: Correct. And now, you know, fundamentals didn't matter for five years. So no one had to use Coifin. All hmm. they had to do was like go on Twitter and see what their friends were buying and buy that. But man, this next, this is why I'm excited about, this is why you can't predict and you have to be patient with your investment. You have to kind of really have domain experience, and and hopefully Rob, uh, and, you know, and hopefully we, the company is in a position to take advantage of this. But like sometimes you just have to survive, and and people don't know they need your product until something changes. Until they need like your funda- yeah. Yeah, sometimes like fundamentals just didn't matter. Comparing a stock to its comps in the other industry didn't matter. You know, eventually. all this data will have to happen for items on Rally Road and and cryptos. So, so we're at the beginning of the beginning. That's why I think this bear market is, is, is probably one of the best opportunities. What's different about this bear market. So I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question you haven't asked yet, but what's different about this bear market is, you know, Russia, right? As small as the economy was, uh, they're pushing back, um, and it's, it's dark. Like everybody's pulled out. China is dark. Like, yeah, you know, they'll be back, but how will institutions and retail treat Chinese internet companies knowing that China can pull the plug, right? Hong Kong was a place that was like my favorite place to go. Why would I go back? Um. So the world is, is the, the map, the risk map has changed. So, So unlike 2020, where everything was open, so you, you could just count China five years out as your market, um, that's gone. So like half the world is black Hmm. to America and by black, I mean lights out. Like, so when you, when you put up a map of your growth, uh, you're not going to convince me as a seed investor that China's on your roadmap or the Russia's on your roadmap. So, so half the world is, is dark to you. So, so this, this next boom will be completely different. And that's what people have to know. And, and that uh, that's where like valuations now probably get compressed. The most is like, okay, guys, you, you have your 20 or 30 million valuation, but that was in a world where everybody thought they'd be the next Uber. And we've yeah. seen from Uber that, you know, even winning the U S is hard. And so, you know, come back to me with a sane number and we're not there yet. That's where the reset seems to, to not be making sense. Is that everybody's acting um, still as if this last bull market is going on and it's completely changed. And 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 it's like for you, like with Warhol and with going down the deal. So so how is that have you guys thought about that inside Rally Road? Like how is your audience dealing with the assets that they own?
1: Yeah. I mean it's hard, it's hard for us. Like I watch everything and I see, I, I listen to every conversation and I'm always paying, I pay too much attention from, from midnight to four in the morning. It's see what people are saying on Twitter about the general space and the health of the market and rally, but retail investments always going to be driven by emotion. And that's part of the, that's part of the cause and the problem and the effect and the solution. It's all part of this bigger picture where as much as we as a company want to educate on the fact that emotion should live in one place and investment decisions should live in another. We also preach this idea that it is everything on Rally is about emotion. So who am I to tell somebody that they're wrong? So we have like, you know, a million different things happen at any given time. There's initial offerings. There's the secondary market. There's buyout offers. There's events and activations. There's merch. All of these have to live together. We always want like three out of four of those to be going well in a way where they're not even when I say ups or downs, just engagement and people that care about it. Because that to me is like the secret sauce of what we do that you can't replicate. It's not like we had... The lead, like the way when you saw Robinhood early, where it was like they were off to a head start, you know, a million people on a wait list before they launch. And then all of a sudden it's like the other brokerages are looking at them like, oh, that's that little guy. Don't worry about it. And now five years later, they're all rushing race to the bottom, get rid of commissions, that type of thing for us. Yeah. Like we came out and it took 18, 19 months to get the first offering approved because it was brand new to the SEC. And then it was about establishing trust. To me, the only thing we ever wanted to do is establish trust. That's independent of price. It would be great Correct. if everything went up and to the right always, but having all these things going on and making sure that people know we're, we're caring and thinking about what they want from the platform other than like just pure returns is what has been our secret sauce. It's hard to replicate that, you know?
0: Yeah, it's like Chipotle's when I'm going to go long winded here, but it's like Chipotle's when they poisoned or or food poisoned their people. <laughs> it took two years. I mean, it's still the fucking same burrito. It's true. But if you look at the stock price, it took two years for people to forgive Chipotle's, right? Like the difference is, and so the same thing with Robin. Here's the biggest thing about Robinhood and Rally. You were built both mobile first. Yeah. Robinhood and both of you guys are, are guilty or genius of this. We stole that Robinhood. from Robinhood because
1: it worked. Like it worked, so we stole. Yeah, it from yeah, Rally yeah. Hood
0: but but you have a much more complicated product what robinhood got right and what everybody the clones got wrong and they're all going to just go by the wayside including possibly ftx with their new launch is robinhood nailed mobile for a next for the last generation not the next generation yeah. the last generation so let me let me just play this out for people who want to look for cuz this is how i'm thinking about the world robinhood got lucky cuz there was an accepted Order flow and UI for brokerage: green, red, black for market close. You know, markets open, markets close. The world's changed since Robinhood started. Now yeah. there's 24 seven, and there's crypto, which even Robinhood didn't get right in wallets. But the 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 looking up a chart, the the price, uh, a watch list. Robinhood got lucky because they were first mover in a world that was look looking to invest in the e trade way the next generation robin hood and 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 rally hopefully you know, you, you guys figure this out and hopefully robin hood does too is going to look completely different it will be it will be powered by the same data perhaps but you know that's why we invested in alpaca but we don't know if the next robin hood will look more like a voice thing or will look more like reddit or will look more like tiktok and video first or lean back, or look like you know what I mean. We don't know what because the watch list is the watch list. But once people have wallets everywhere, the way they do their transaction may look completely different than going to yeah. a brokerage like Robinhood and opening it up. What you guys have had, to, and so I would say what both of you guys have to solve is, and what Koifin solved first, and and just finally launched mobile is desktop, like Robinhood could have acquired their way into desktop, but they're still a mobile product. Where do you guys think about desktop? Because Rally has a lot of stuff now. You've got three yeah. or four things going on. you merch, you've got uh, uh, secondary trading, you've got the offerings. How do you guys think about desktop?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a big shift, I think, not, not necessarily in the way that we build product because we want to design across all platforms, but, you know, Andy and Alec and our our product team right now was always thinking about the way to address markets that are kind of hidden. It's not necessarily about total addressable market. There's markets that we kind of created. The desktop trader now that we have a more active secondary market and there's all this stuff going on needs to be you need to use that extra real estate. I think that that's like the, it's it's noon. I'm at work. I'm taking a little break to check my portfolio. That's a desktop experience to me. And I'm a little bit older now. I've always looked at desktop as like the in between time. Whereas like on my phone, it's like I'm laying in bed going through my stuff. But the way we also think about it, you brought it up earlier, there's a data product that lives inside Rally and we're going to release way more of that soon. And like a 22 year old does want like the equivalent level two and like some advanced charting. All that has to happen on desktop. And it also gives you a little more real estate, literally, to tell better stories, which now that we have like content team we're building out, we want it to look and feel like a TV screen. More than to look and feel like you know a binary trading option, like it does on on mobile sometimes, and that's to your point. What Robinhood nailed super early, they made it way easier to invest, and they made the process and the UX way slicker. What we want to do is make it more meaningful, and to do that, you need real estate that allows you to do it with data and content. Correct. So that's where we're going to be at some point soon. Without giving too many details away, desktop is something that you've always brought up. Desktop's
0: going to be the new. Mobile, especially for yeah. for wealthier kids and kids that have artists, kids now who have taste and have and have survived the bear market, they want to lean back. They've bought, you know, they can afford. And desktops aren't the same as they were uh, five years ago yeah. with the with the M1 chip. And with the new no, Apple, the new screens, MacBooks are crazy. I I, yeah, are crazy. And so in five years, everybody's going to have desktops around their house. That's they don't. They don't be... have TVs
1: right now because that's their everything Correct. now. Like it's hard for me to look but at. But the next it thing's
0: and... going to be a keyboard or voice in your lap, and not the stupid contour or your cable thing, but some kind of remote that controls your desktop, which could be on every wall. Uh, in your home, because that is where you want to see. It. And this is where the banks are going to lose. Like I, I use Morgan Stanley and Morgan Stanley's desktop, which is what the company started on is still shit. Yeah. So they've spent the last 10 years trying to figure out mobile, which I accept. That's where I look up to see my net worth or my wealth on Morgan Stanley. But then I go to the desktop and I'm like, they forgot it. Like not only was their desktop bad before, now they haven't invested in it and it's terrible. But but also it's,
1: it's, dude, it's the thing where it's like legacy banks in particular, everybody does this though. And I'll say this, that really early, you were always uh, talking about desktop. Greg from Upfront too, always talked about what we're going to be on desktop. Eddie Liu from GOAT, who's also in the Upfront portfolio, would say like Greg's on them about desktop and now their desktop experience is killer. They use it for editorial. But the biggest Uh thing that I think about is like, banks and legacy companies they don't think the same way as like marketplace as we do and as the way that that you guys have always been 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 telling us like how important desktop is going to be they think about it like kids are on their phones a lot so let's make it mobile and that's just once you're thinking like that once like a once a 75 year old is telling is telling you like i see a lot of these kids on phones let's put our whole thing on mobile they probably already moved on like they're probably on on 1980s era, you know, old Apple yeah. leases right now. And that's like their preferred method of, of ingesting information. If we're guessing and we're trying to say what kids do, then we don't know. So just doing contrary- But we know what, you know, what they the do. They're on TikTok. Doing.
0: TikTok won. I, I said this the other day, what I got wrong is I didn't realize how much TikTok had won nah, because crazy. I thought- because Trump said he was going to stop it and didn't stop it, and now they're three hundred and sixty billion, and they're they're bigger than Spotify and 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 Netflix combined. That algorithm, right um, though, not like just Facebook.
1: Yeah, you could scroll forever and keep seeing. What so you that's see. it.
0: That's the peak mobile. Yeah, that's peak true. mobile happened. So like, what people don't understand, I didn't know what the event was, but it's over the last few months seeing Netflix get obliterated, and having to do TV ads now, hmm. and seeing Spotify get who Spotify used to have to say, well, we're more like Netflix now is denying. They don't want to be it's associated at true. all with Netflix. So we hit peak mobile like in the last year and the surprise. And this is why Apple's probably held up the best. I don't think anybody wants to talk about this, but we are about to switch back to an enjoyment. There's so much great content and, and, and TikTok, unless, you know, government steps in and destroys it. TikTok won. So in a world where TikTok won and Facebook's fighting them and everybody's fighting TikTok, unless something new comes along in mobile, like a completely new type of product, we now, the only way to compete against TikTok is on the desktop. Your wedge in is how do I trust, what does this brand give me uh, for all this stuff? So everybody was zigging and now Apple with the desktop and the art piece uh, is, is ahead of the curve. So I'm really starting I didn't know what the trigger was until I just read this post of how big TikTok is. And and if you look at the market caps of the destruction, it's not just Snapchat. I mean, Snapchat's still in denial. You think um, you think t-
1: you think TikTok took all just absorbed all of that market share?
0: Well, they absorbed attention. Yeah. And what I got wrong about right. what I got wrong about TikTok is I'm just not a user. So so because I'm not a user, I go, well, they'll never get me. And so I didn't understand the destruction possible to other market caps. When you take attention away from Netflix, Netflix was talking about gaming. They were talking about TikTok, but they didn't move fast enough. The reason I, I I trust Netflix is he's survived this before. The reason I trust Spotify, I want to own those brands now, even though they look dead, is that Ek has survived before. Um, this is when you want to bet on guys who have survived before. If you're going to bet on anything. And so I think it's really important for both Robin hood and for rally and all the, you know, and, and I've been bugging Rob at Coyfin to go mobile for every, at least he finally checked that box, yeah. but you can't forget desktop. So I think that's one of the biggest changes. The other big change. And I talked to Yoshi at Alpaca around fintech is that he calls it, um, the empire strikes back and he's a really smart kid and uh, he's really thoughtful. And what he and I have been talking about is, if we, if the banks are stronger than, if this doesn't spill over into a cascade effect of panic and and, and people walking away from their homes and leverage, I think it's, I think it's confined to like confined to like the carvanas and stupidity around cars and fringe stuff. Um, If this doesn't blow up, the empire strike back is Goldman JP Morgan, like with JP Morgan, even though they, their products suck, they're into crypto now they're backing into crypto Goldman Sachs is licking their chops about high volatility trading and and they could go buy a hundred companies nah, failed that. The, that's
1: the difference between like the hundred year plan and a startup trying to get bought in five years. Like it's just not the same thing. Correct. They don't think about it the same way.
0: They don't think about it the same way. So the fucking banks are in a perfect position to pounce and like, and they just watched for 10 years and all the fintechs and VCs just handed them broken companies hmm. that they can just roll in again. So it's really important that the rallies and the, and the ftx's and the Robinhoods, the people that get through this uh with with balance sheets and with good with good domain experience really position themselves for what the banks are about to do they're about to just weaponize themselves with the carcasses of, of broken fintech <laughs> so keep your eye open for that i'm trying
1: man that's a crazy one so I, that's, and it's, it's, it's well taken. And it's also something like to go back to the, what you said when we talked about a lot during this whole episode is like the there's people, they could watch and wait, those big banks. They don't need to make snap decisions based on purely emotion. Like they've been through this three, four or five times at this point, they're not going to mess it up. Yep. But also like, yep. you know, as you sort of get to the end of this conversation, we talked through all these different things in the private and public markets. What do you think? We talked DAOs a little bit, but you have DAOs, specs. Public investments, private investments, crowdfunding—all these things. What's the most interesting vehicle to invest right now outside of the standard methods? Do you have anything you're looking at where you're like, "This is the one that's going to stick"?
0: No, I like. I, what's tough for me is I have one trick, right? I know how the thing that I'm passionate about works. So the 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 you know, by the time this goes out, and maybe it'll be breaking news because you'll release it ahead of me. The dueling podcast hmm. is that you know. What you guys have discussed, what you got ahead on, or at least uh, a little bit ahead on, a lot of people have, is is regarding the DAO, which is a, a decentralized autonomous organization, which is like kind of an LLC on the blockchain, where, where everybody who's interested can be an investor and customer upfront. So i I think small. I've always said, you know, too small to, you know, too small to fail. Focus on that. But small is the new big. Like hmm. if you're passionate about something, and I'm passionate about comedy. Um, there is, there is opportunity out there to meld tech with the experts in a community with money, with commerce and with marketplaces. So we're starting to see that we're starting to see the tools built to get this stuff whipped up first. You know, the first iteration is like a discord page and a website, but man, I don't want to learn discord. Um, I'm not saying I won't, or I won't be forced to do this. But I, my next passion is more about going like we did with stock twits, but more, more decentralized, a little more decentralized, more built on the blockchain, including NFTs. So that uh, builds community quicker. Um, and so less centralized, you know, what I've learned from running stock twits is that on the same day, people will call me genius as Hitler. So like, I'll have two comments in a row one says, man, Stocktwits is genius. And then the next comment is Howard's Hitler. So, so in a world where I'm either Hitler or genius, uh, and I'm neither, um, there has to be a better way to go down the middle, which is like, be more like, you know, not like, like the three bears, just be something for more people that is more, um, indestructible, more open and a little bit more fair. And so NFTs meets DAO meets, you know, the right community. And for me, it's comedy that I'm working on is something that excites me. And the reason comedy of all the verticals interests me is because we've, you know, is there's so many great comedians. Um, they've been this pent up creative energy and not being able to be on stage, this complete, counterculture of like anything a comedian says is now taken as gospel and they got to apologize for it 10 years later as if they're a politician uh is there's this is the right time for there to be like a hundred george carlins and i want to make sure i'm in on that yeah because there's a lot That's of funny true. there's a lot of funny people on twitter and and um tiktok dude and i was talking i was reels. talking to,
1: i was talking to friends last week and i was like not to cut you off but we were literally saying like george carlin now would be as big as Chappelle. like he would be the Chappelle of right now if he was still he alive. trends
0: more than dave Chappelle. it's crazy so he was just early he was early dead. to the party and so was Richard Pryor, and this is what I was saying, like with the comedy hall, you had a Netflix show that no one's going to watch that had um, all the best people, four dead who were honored, and and it was Dave Chappelle, Jon Stewart, Pete Davidson, and what's her name? I forget. Recognizing Joan Rivers, who was a legend, yeah. who was the greatest. Uh, I mean, they didn't have Johnny Carson in there, but they had Joan Rivers, Richard Pryor, um, George Carlin, and Robin Williams, okay? There are thousands of that, those, that many talented voices that were spawned over the last few years with endless content. And it's not Joe Rogan, even though he's popular and it's not the people that, you know, today and, and they've been tortured by the yeah. me too, by stupidity of their own part. No, no, don't get me wrong, but they're fucking comedians. They're the people that's what makes America, America. That's what makes Germany Germany. There's no stand up comedians in Germany and there's no stand up comedians in China. Like, we, our greatest thing is a sense of humor. So, I think the pushback here, the explosion in creativity that you're seeing in TikTok, and the fact that everybody's learned to tell a story in 20 seconds on their phone sets the stage for an explosion in humor. And I want to be in on that market
1: i don't i don't want to i don't want to uh i'll leave the i'll leave actual announcements to you i won't get too far ahead but i think you painted a picture but do you think like does it make sense to you does yeah, that make killed, sense you to you, killed this. you could, listen there's never been first off the numb you know the title of our podcast that we're dealing with is the best money i ever spent right now uh-huh. the most money out of everyone i know where it goes is always entertainment but comedy more than anything else like you can't walk into comedy cellar anymore in the west village in new york you just can't there's a, a Saturday, you can't go near it, and then Tuesdays now, because like Chris Rock might show up, you can't go near those either, you know what I mean? So it's become
0: yeah. a place- and, and they're already ahead of this. Leave your fucking phone at the that's door. It. And by the way, Jon Stewart just bombed. Nah. His Apple show is a it. fucking disgrace. It turned- it tur- And I don't care to, to, to say it. I'm, I'm a huge Jon Stewart fan. He fucking muffed. Huh. And and Dave Chappelle's getting a little old. So- the stage is set. They're honoring the past comedians. This goes, you know, we haven't had, I would love to say it's music, but sorry, there's just no good music. If Elish is like our new Messiah, I miss classic rock. So music <laughs> doesn't interest me. And the musicians have been dead. They, there's, We haven't heard from any of them on any of these issues on anything important, at least comedians during this whole thing with Trump and with Biden and with fucking, they're fucking they're getting their heads taken off, but at least they're commenting yeah. on it. And the fact that George Carlin stuff from 30 years ago is so relevant will give comedians the, the confidence to attack the establishment. And, I, and we got to preserve these comedians and we've got to fucking get their voices out there. But anyways, I think we lost a track. That's culture. That's America. Uh, I'll let you ask if you have any more questions. I got the la- for me. I got the last uh, four,
1: but it's a good segue. So really, let's say okay. let's say you got Carlin over here. I assume who's your favorite comedian? Who's like the actual? If you had to pick one, and you had to listen to them on repeat for the next ten years, who would it be? Been-
0: I guess it would be Carlin, but I didn't like the special. Kind of just gave me too much information. Yeah. I don't have a favorite right now. I want to like somebody, but I don't. I think COVID meets China meets the the crypto crash is going to spawn meets. TikTok meets comedy clubs opening. Yeah, I just don't see fresh voices. And what's exciting is I want to discover. I want to laugh. I don't want to just laugh. I want to laugh hysterically. That's a good thing though too. That's a good thing too. Yeah. And the closest that came to it is the Indian kid from Parks and Rec. He's very funny. Aziz. Aziz is super funny. Yeah if I was going to work with anybody, it'd be him. His show was hilarious when it goes to Italy. And then obviously, even though he's getting old, his special was just phenomenal, was Ricky Gervais. And yeah. it drifted. So the first 20 minutes were fucking insane. Can you've got to watch it. It was so on point. It was so like torch the earth. It was so protect Dave Chappelle. It was so like, fuck you, the audience, you stupid. He's got dummies. enough money. Like, just do it. calling people dummies yeah. and then explaining to them why they're dummies and them loving it is important. Uh, You know, it drifted, and then the end was very good. So I say Ricky Gervais, top of the game. Dave Chappelle, even though he's old, top of the game. Jon Stewart, washed up. Uh, COVID did not help that that group. Um, We need another Johnny Carson. Dave Letterman, also old. Stop the show. You know, it's terrible. You're 74. Netflix (laughs) needs to... Create that same show with somebody with talent. Like Dave's funny, but that gig is old. It's a good. No, it's a no good kids for, it's understand good format his humor. Though, you
1: know what I mean? Like it's a good. It's a. Okay it's a great format. format
0: with the wrong host, and he doesn't know the guests. Like this is stupid. So this like honestly, so that's good though. This is a good. This is a good way yeah. to
1: ask the real question. Then there's a lot of yeah. investors around who've been in it for a minute. I'm not talking about Warren Buffett. Even 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 in private markets, you had to pick one for the next like hundred years of good decisions that start now. You can't say Fred Wilson. Who would it be? Who's the greatest investor right now in your mind?
0: Yeah, I wish I knew. I, I you know, I I was super early in Techstars and I thought that whole idea of like DeVry for startups was, was a huge thing. So I still think like the Techstars YC model works the best, but now we're going, and Angel So we're going into a bear market. So I don't know what comes out of this best. There'll be some incredible new voices. I was early uh, investor, and in, we've had them on the show a bunch of times, the um, multi-coin guys, Tushar and Kyle. They obviously understand crypto. You know, there's Chris Dixon. Um, but the people that understand crypto and survive this um, probably have the best chance. Um, you know, and then it's people that understand markets. You know, crossover... People that understand crossover w- are in a bear market and they've made huge mistakes from altimeter on down. I've listened mm-hmm. to them. Mia Culpa and I've had money with the crossover people, but I still believe in this idea of a crossover investor. And I think the next breed of, of altimeters and crossover investors that really understand private and public markets and, re- and can really get the data and make good decisions will be great. I think the biggest problem for the next generation of investors and crypto is part of this, is that they can see the prices. One Mm -hmm. of the great things about venture capital is not checking the price, not waking up every day and, you know, Rally has their problems, StockTwits has their problems, Robinhood has their problems, FDA. The companies have problems. And once you see a price, you're compounding the problem because your employees look at the price, uh, investors get nervous, fear and greed sets in. One of the greatest things about this last generation until crypto was and why there were so many, why everybody wanted to be a VC was that you could think you didn't have to worry about like, it's oh, God, no, at least no one knows the company is going through turmoil. Yeah. And, and the fact that crypto prices trade, I'm, I, I worry. And I think we're already seeing the negative effects of that, you know, the bad behavior, the cheating, um, the need for regulation. But once we get regulation and a, a set of rules and hopefully we get that, um, That'll set the stage for the next generation of great investors. But right now I'm in the show me state. I don't I don't know who I who I really think is gonna win. Mm-hmm. Um and right now Warren Buffett's still winning and I and I can't stand that. That that was an okay answer. I thought you were gonna
1: say Roger Ehrenberg. So I was I, that's what I was looking to hear. But that said, Well, he retired. Got well, so even though I talk to top. him all the all time, right. he retired. Fair, fair point. So
0: he's a, he's retired twice on top. <laughs> so funny. yeah, it's people like that and and what and the things that make roger great is that he was just never too big hmm. so i think you know and this goes to like comedy and stocks and niches and dows is like you don't have to be a unicorn and that's what i try and tell hmm. everybody's trying to raise money to be a unicorn i'm like why don't you bootstrap it in a world of dows and raise a little bit of money and go slow and build a hundred million dollar business and then everybody makes money so until we Get that mindset going i'm i'm pretty bearish
1: got it last two then the big miss what's the one that got away with that logic in mind knowing that it's it's a way longer race than just you know get money exit get it done what's the one that got away for you
0: the one that was just teed up because there was many that i missed twitter you know i missed but at least i got it later and uh zynga i missed um but i didn't i'm not a gamer so i don't care even though it was just The one that I missed that was just in my wheelhouse was Carta at a 4 million valuation. Henry pitched me and he couldn't close me. I mean, obviously he tried, but I'm going through the emails. I just, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was was presented as e-shares, 4 million valuation. Love the idea of, of at the time, you know, 2013, 14 of like a spreadsheet, your cap table open on the internet. Uh, behind a paywall like just help company you know i knew companies were getting created so fast that carta was gonna the idea of carta was gonna be huge but i didn't and the valuation was four million think about that in today's world okay so there's two lessons here first of all it wasn't about price that i passed it was that i didn't believe that he could execute in a world of angel lists so i just completely muffed it and henry's still ceo and i think it's last count $7 billion company. Um so, you know, my kids' trust would look a lot different if I had made that investment. <laughs> um and that would have been in the same fund as Robinhood. And I know my friends at Ella Fund, and I'm an investor in Nate Rollin, early investor at Robinhood, um, their fund, you know, is Robinhood and Carta. So I know the numbers. <laughs> and so I I'm really bummed. I passed for the right reasons because I I, I did all the work. I just didn't believe in the founder and i hadn't met him yet and i passed and i think carta is such a great product for what it's its core uses that you know congrats to them so that's a that's a huge but the, i mean listen
1: part. the fun that that robin hood came out of is like a legendary fun that you guys have as is you yeah. guys did all right with that one so i guess not the end of the world yeah but understood and with yeah. that in mind my last question and then, I'll, then i'll leave it to you whatever wherever you want to go with it but Talking about bootstrapping, you're talking about the element of luck that's involved with, with making these really great picks that turn into these generational businesses. You think venture capital, as it exists right now, still exists in 100 years? Or do you think that DeFi and Web3 and these DAOs have a real chance to change the model? Do you think it still exists like that 2 and 20, or the idea of like a fund exists the same way it does now in 100 years, or the banks have no chance?
0: Yeah, it'll exist. I mean, the the question is, who's the investor? Right. Um, The question is what defines an LP and what defines reporting right now, like for tax reasons and for certain reasons and for regulation reasons, you got to be accredited or have a certain, you know, super accredited now for for fund to fund. So I think the the fund will exist because it's the same reason why, like, 50 percent of Wells Fargo's customers still get a paper statement. Hmm. So if I were to go out 50 years, I'd say venture capitals, hundred years. I don't know, but 50 years based on the fact that Wells Fargo customers still want a paper statement, I would say venture capital exists. The question is wh- who will be the LPs? Will they have to be worth a certain amount of money and will there be sidecars that are on the blockchain that, that track the liquidity of the fund? So, 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 so yes, they will, they will still be here. I just don't know if they'll be as popular. Just like SPACs have been around for 50 years and as a feature, it's still a great thing. But in a world where DAOs and DeFi exist, maybe SPACs will still be a feature, but just for a select few people.
1: Makes sense. That's why I didn't bring up SPACs. That would have been a whole other podcast. But that's all I got, man. That was, a, that was my only method of having a dueling podcast that didn't go for three <laughs> hours was to not bring up SPACs in any detail.
0: Well, we, we covered a lot of ground. I mean, what, what I think we both agree with that there's plenty of opportunity if you cater to what investors want and, and not everybody has to be a unicorn. Not everybody needs venture funding. And I think we got to remember that. And there's a million ways to skin a cat. So, uh, I appreciate, uh, the time, uh, it's fun catching up on the markets and, and, uh, culture. How's Soho? Last question. How's Soho? It's
1: good, man. Where I mean, it's also like it's been busy, but now it's busy in a way where it feels like, you know, Europe kind of reopened in a way that the summers are typically dominated in Soho by European tourists. And now we're starting uh-huh. to see more of that. There's way more restaurants that I'm sitting in where, you know, the it's mostly people speaking Italian or French and less of the same neighborhood faces. So it feels like it's way busier with new faces the last like month and a half, two months. I think that's going to be the theme for the whole summer.
0: Yeah, that's good. So people won't just get sick of looking at the same yeah, people. Yeah, man. Every I minute.
1: it's as Rachel. Uh we we go out and grab coffee. It's like, I gotta go to we gotta like, let's go to somewhere brand new. They haven't been in a minute. I don't want to see these same people. They don't want to see me anymore. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I'm so excited for 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 New York, but at the same time, it feels like there's still uh some layover problems with crime and stuff. Like what okay. do you do you feel safe or is it like different?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had like one or two odd run-ins like over the last three four months where like for a minute it was kind of like do i gotta fight on the street right now but that's always i've been here for you know 38 years that's not gonna change like it's never not been that like i've been i've been i lived in in brooklyn and in manhattan for my entire life i've never lived anywhere else so i I lived in philadelphia for a little while but other than that like new york's always been like that's part of the charm of new york is that anything can happen sometimes you gotta like keep your head on a swivel a little bit though no matter what
0: and then last thing, work from home versus the office. I made Rachel, I remember working from home, I said, Rachel, she was like, Rachel, only six people are showing up at rally. I said, Be the seventh.
1: Yo, um, a, so I'm yeah. still the
0: old school dad that kicked her out of our house and said, Get back to New York and go into the office, even if you're just a seventh person. I am uh, too. What do man, you start? I'm, is there more than seven people yeah, now? now?
1: now? But I think part of that is that like I'm not easy to work for, and Rachel will tell you that, obviously. And also, like I think a lot of people on my team wind up in the office, on the product team, and on the marketing team, because a lot of it is brainstorming and creative work. It's a little bit, to me, like I want everyone to be happy and be productive. And wherever you work from, a majority of our team is, is remote or semi-remote. Not very few are full-time in the office. I go in a lot because it's a few blocks away from my apartment, but I get I get more work done there. Anybody in our team that's in the office, when you have creative conversations, part of me still feels like maybe it's old school. But being in the room to throw ideas around with each other and do it less asynchronously, do it one on one or one on four or four on four, it feels way easier to get stuff done for me. So, like, it's not a requirement, but it's nice to have two or three days with somebody who you are working on on creative stuff with in the office. You know?
0: Yeah, I tell any young person find out who your where your boss lives, show up every day. It's Uh, always over. go a long
1: way, man. You know
0: what I mean? Uh, It's the only way to learn. It's the only way to be mentored. Kids are are complaining that they're not getting mentoring. Guess what? Show up. Get mentored. Force mentorship. It's
1: true.
0: Especially if your company's in New York or uh, Los Angeles or Miami. Show the fuck up. All right. This was. That was fantastic. Thanks for coming on. And I'm happy that I got to come on. But nah, the name thank of your you. show. Thank
1: you for coming on. The best money I ever spent presented by Rally, where we panic with friends sometimes. You know what I mean?
0: Beautiful. All right. Talk to you soon, buddy. Talk soon, man.
1: that was episode eight a little longer than normal as was a collab podcast between howard's panic with friends and our best money i ever spent make sure you follow howard he's howard lindsen on all platforms he drops gems all over twitter about public and private markets but he's also good every now and then for a nice little public spar with the likes of jack dorsey or some random angel investor so it's also super entertaining at times this coming week on rally we're going back to our roots which we talked a bit about during this episode With another classic car, this time a modern classic, the 1994 BMW 850 CSI. That's a $142,000 initial offering, $14.25 per share, opening Friday, June 3rd at noon Eastern time. Finally, as a reminder, do not listen to me or anyone for investment advice. Always do your own research and be sure to read the disclaimers on rallyrd.com before making any investment. All investments involve risk. This is no different. Past performance is never an indication of future performance. I'm Rob Petrozo. I'll be back next week with a new episode, back at our regular Sunday morning schedule time. But until then, you can find us on RallyRoad.com, at Rally on Instagram, and at OnRallyRD on Twitter. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything in between. Until next week.